July 5th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Afsadi Aleph Amud Bet. And if you count down in the widest lines, it's five lines down. It's four words before the end of the line. Now the Gemara brings initially this contradiction of sorts that Rav Hasta found. Rav Hasta, Rameh. Rameh means he asked the contradiction in Pesukim Ketib. On the one hand, the Pasuk says in Sefer Yeshayahu, Vehafera halevana ubosha hahama. So the Pasuk describes, of course, allegorically, how the moon and the sun will be embarrassed in the future. Why will they be embarrassed in the future? They won't shine, they won't radiate the light that they, so to speak, do now, because God's kingship, his monarchy, will be reigning supreme, and as a result, all of existence, so to speak, will be diminished. Of course, if you envision God as beaming forth, as shining with all of his radiance, everything pales in comparison. That's a vision of the future. Beautiful. Uchtiv, but on the other hand, the Pasuk says, also in Yeshayahu, just a few chapters later, Vehaya or halevana ke or hama. A pasuk describes how the sun and the moon will have identical light in the future. And the light, the radiance, that shining of the sun will be like the shining of the sun in Shiv'at Yemei Bereshit, in Sheshit Yemei Bereshit, the creation, existence, a time during which, of course, historically we look back and we remember and we envision the sun as having that almost or haganu's capacity, full-fledged radiance. So which one is it? It's two visions about the future. On the one hand, they're going to be diminished. Neither one of these to be taken literally, per se, but even allegorically it's a contradiction. On the other hand, the sun is never going to be stronger, and the moon at that time period will be identical to the sun. For a moment, before we go onward, just to talk about the sun and the moon being equal, uh, that's very significant in and of itself. Just Perik Lamed of Yeshayahu, that pasuk already has a, a strong uh, a message and meaning to each of us to understand the sun as, so to speak, the embodiment in the physical sense, the way we envision God's manifestation, the source of light, and then the moon as that which refracts it, that which reflects it. The moon for that reason in the eyes of the rabbis and in the Nevi'im at times is very often reflective or is very often representative of Am Yisrael or more specifically of Malchut, of kingship. That's who we are. At our best, we're the Nishpa. We're accepting that light from God and we're beaming it and reflecting it to others. The description then in the future in which the sun and the moon will be almost identical, that's very telling. It means we as a people will rise to a level in which we're connected to God, His message, the lessons of existence that God represents will in turn almost be identical amongst us as human beings. We'll be able to be reflecting His words, His ways in a way that the moon never fully has. The moon is never as strong as the sun. It's the description of the Midrash in Masechet Chulin that at the onset, the sun and the moon were supposed to be very similar. The moon, representative of human being, of Adam and Hava, of humanity and totality, rebels and as a result says, we can't be the same. We need to be greater. Of course, that's the rebellion against God. God in turn says, Ma'ati et As a result, the moon becomes smaller. That's the vision of the future. 
we're able to fix that. That's what we've mentioned in Birkat HaLevanah. That's what we mentioned very often. We're looking forward to a time during which that minimized moon potential is maximized again. Well, anyway, for our purposes... Yes, that's exactly the point. We are reflecting God in the future when this is all done right, so to speak. Of course, it's the same light. Nobody's going to argue that at any point we'll be the possessors of the light. It's always going to be God. But as we, as his followers, we as existence, are able to, in almost a reciprocal way, almost a symbiosis, be able to reflect it appropriately, well, that's the vision. But here we have a contradiction. Which one is it? Are we going to diminish the light of the sun and moon? Or alternatively, are we going to maximize it, magnify it? Anyway, says the Gemara, la kashya, there's no contradiction. Kan kan haba. The Gemara suggests it's a difference in time period. One is Yemota Mashiach, and one is an afterward time of Tehiyata of, of Olam Haba. Uh, what, why, why is that a distinction? Well, first and foremost, just in terms of Yemota Mashiach, as Harambam reminds us, not everyone agrees to Harambam, but at the very least, that vision is a dominant one. Yemot HaMashiach will very much resemble life as we know it. As a result, to envision and to describe life as we know it, but let it be in a complete state of life as we know it. What's a complete state of life as we know it? No poverty, the ability to live a life without being burdened by the distractions and others. Go ahead. The moon is a reflection of the sun. Yes. The moon is a... Sure. Is there any sort of the way you're describing your own process toward the moon? Sure, that's the description. That's what I'm saying. In other words, whereas life now as we know it has the ups and downs, the waxing and waning of the moon, a future vision, Malbima, as a matter of fact, in one place describes this, is a constant full moon. In other words, it's, t- it's, it's the 15th of the month at all times with regards to who we are and how we're able to reflect it. Yeah, exactly that. But here it says the Gemara, Yemot HaMashiach will be a time during which there's that completion, but it's life in which human beings are still operating in a similar fashion to the way they are now. As a result, I'll envision that as maximized light. It's maximized light in terms of we've come to close to perfection. But with regards to life as we know it, it's still life as we know it. So there's still the sun and the moon, so to speak, in all op- in operation. Olam haba, olam haba is an altogether different existence. There's the physicality, the achievements of human beings, the ability for you and me to operate in the world in a way, in fashion that resembles anything to now is altogether mistaken. And as a result, that's the time, quote unquote, where the diminished state of uh, sun and moon and all those sorts of matters in contrast, paling in contrast to God, will be in place. In short, the Gemara suggests the difference between these two pesukim is two different time periods. Yemot Mashiach, where we'll come to that completion, but in this existence, and Olam Haba, where it's altogether different. Where is Tehiyat HaMetim? So Tehiyat HaMetim is generally speaking in the Gemara associated with Yemot HaMashiach. It's Yemot HaMashiach and it's what ushers us into Olam Haba. That's the vision. So therefore we'll come back whole. Therefore we'll come back incomplete but then achieve the wholeness. That's what we had. We'll come back crippled 
But God will then, and we in turn, will bring ourselves to completion, which makes, again, and that was, that was what the point that I think the Gemara is making, makes a lot of sense. Tehiyat HaMetim is the closing so off stage, of... Yeah, yeah. It's Yemot HaMashiach, wherein, afterwards, but beforehand, yeah, yeah. Says the Gemara Vili Shmuel, but wait a second, what about according to the opinion of Shemuel? Shemuel doesn't really distinguish between Yemot HaMashiach and Olam Haba. De Amar en ben ha Olam Haba li Yemot HaMashiach ela Shibud Galuyot Bilvad. According to Shemuel, Yemot HaMashiach and Olam Haba are not really distinguished in terms of their quality in terms of their essence. The only thing that distinguishes them is Shibud Malchuyot. Shibud Malchuyot refers to the, uh, the, the uh, monarchies that rule over, that govern, and uh, in turn inhibit full uh, a freedom of uh, ability for human beings. But ultimately speaking, Yemot HaMashiach and Olam Haba are so similar according to Shemuel, or identical. You can't in turn suggest that these allegorical pesukim with regards to the light of the sun and the moon are distinguished between Yemot HaMashiach and Olam Haba because they're the same says the Gemara Lakashia can be Mahane Sadikim can be Mahane Shechina you can at the same time distinguish in each of those domains the Yemot HaMashiach no Olam Haba uh, different domains, different realms, different achievements. We can, even when we're standing, quote unquote, in the Mikdash, we can say there's something called Kodesh HaKodashim, and there's something called Kodesh, and there's something called the Azara outside of it, and so forth, which means to say, even, and, and this is a, an oftentimes overlooked and, and mistaken uh, uh, reality for you, and people assume, well, when I get to the afterlife, when I get to the greatest moment, then all distinction breaks down. Well, it's the same in the Gemara, there's still a Mahane Shechina, there's still some sort of internal orbit wherein, quote unquote, the sun and the moon are diminished, whereas outside of it, it's altogether different. In other words, we can and will always envision a further achievement. There's something to be said for that as well, because uh, there's a sobering thought, whereas in this world, it's, it's, a, it's the Sammy conversation from a few days ago, whereas in this world, we have challenges that we need to overcome. What happens after this world? If it's an after this world without a body existence, so then what? Of course, the answer is we don't have any clue. But what the Gemara is suggesting is there's still achievements. The Gemara, in my mind, is still describing a further perception. There's something internal, which in some way, shape, or form, without bodily advancement, without the regular challenges of life as we know it, there's still something to strive for. Rava Rameh says the Gemara, there's another contradiction that Rava pointed out. It brings us back to the conversation from class yesterday. Ani ketiv. on the one hand, the Pasuk says in Sefer Devarim, Ani Amit I will put to death and I will put, bring to life. Uchtiv in the Pasuk, alternatively, right after it says, Mahatsdi Vani Erpa. I've struck, I've hit, and then I, uh, and then I will heal. Uh, so the, the difficulty over here of Rava is, well, how is it, so to speak, that God brings back? Does he bring back as you were? And that's the initial pasuk. I put, I put to death and then I brought you back. I'm bringing it to our conversation from yesterday. Do you come back crippled? Do you come back deaf and mute as perhaps you were in this world? Ani amit I'll bring you back to life exactly as you were. Or alternatively, ani erpa, I will heal you. Answers Rava, there's no contradiction. I'll bring you back as you were, and then I'll heal you. And afterwards, that which I struck, I will fix, I'll heal. Again, the vision and the description 
description of this one more time being, excuse me, being a time during which we're seeking, we're searching the completion of it. Now, how do you imagine the completion of life, the completion, how do you imagine yourself completing your own challenges at a certain segment? So I could give you one of two options. You're finished, you're on the last breaths, and then I grab you, and I put you at the finish line, and I push you over it. All right, so then you kind of just got pushed over. You didn't complete anything. You haven't achieved anything. I was running, I ran through the race up until the finish line, and I passed out, and then someone grabs me and pushes me over. You didn't really complete it. That wasn't a completion. That was a pushed over. That's tahiyat ametim number one. That's not what the Gemara is describing. Time and again, what the Gemara is describing is you're coming back with the same deficiencies, with the same flaws, the bodily ones. You're still crippled. You're still blind. You're still deaf. And as a result, during this time period, vanir pa. Now it's just easier to find the cure. Now you're going to be able to step over the finish line yourself. And there's a lot to be said for that. In tandem. In tandem, Tehiyata Metim is a time period during which the Hachamim envision us and the world coming to completion. To come to completion is not to be zapped into perfection. It's to come back as you are, it's to be dealt with the challenges and then to overcome. Tanura Banan, the Beraita, has the following derasha, Ani Amit Ve'ahaye, Yachol Shetehem Mita Be'ehad, Ve'hayim Be'ehad. Pasuk says, I will put to death and I'll bring to life is when God states that, is he so to speak saying, I'll put one to death and then afterwards someone else will come to life. That's the way life exists right now. One person dies and another person is born. Uh, we don't know in our lives of the same person coming back to life. Is that what the Pasuk means? Read the next words in the Pasuk. The next words in the Pasuk are, I'll strike and then I'll heal. Well, let's put those two statements one next to the other as they are in the Pasuk. On the one hand, I put to death and I bring back to life. I don't know who I bring back to life. Uh, do I bring a new person to life or do I bring the same person to life? But I learned that from the next words in the Pasuk where I strike and I heal. You don't talk about, well, someone bruised came into my uh, clinic and I healed the other person. No, you talk about healing that same person. Mahatvivani Erpa is talking about the same person, which in turn leads us back to the earlier words in the Pasuk, uh, that it's talking about the same individual. As a result, say the Hachamim, this is a remez, says the Gemara, this is a reference to again, by looking at that juxtaposition, those two words, those two references in the same Pasuk as referring to the same type of situation, when I talk about I hit you and then I healed you, I'm talking about you. So as a result, the earlier part of the Pasuk, and we assume is talking about the same person. You could, you, you could, and if it were so, if, if we were so convinced by this, we would have no dilemma. We'd say it's mefurash in the Torah. It's not mefurash in the Torah. It's still a dirasha. I uh, don't know. Maybe because it's ref- uh, and and hemat. You would have said hematati as well. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. So we go further in searching for uh, sources, remazim ba pesukim, for tehiyat ametim, shene emar, 
אז ישיר משה ובני ישראל את השירה הזאת לאדוני. פסוק, of course, that we all know well from פרשת בשלח, אז ישיר. ישיר, in the most simple iteration, at least in the eyes of the rabbis, is לשון עתיד. ישיר means will sing. שר לא נאמר. It doesn't say they sang, אלא ישיר. It says they will sing. מכאן לתחיית המתים מן התורה. So this is perhaps the most famous derasha for Tchiyat HaMetim in the Torah. Rashi, in his commentary to the Torah, cites this. Mikan Tchiyat HaMetim in the Torah. Why does it say they will sing? Why doesn't it say that they sang? Moshe and Bnei Yisrael at Kiryat Yamsuf, teaching you for Tchiyat HaMetim in the Torah. First and foremost, Rashi himself, in his commentary to the Torah, quotes what he suggests is the Peshuto Shel Mikra. He says, Yashir is a reference to the beginning stages of the song. Any song begins with it begins with an internal emotional passion to sing as Yashir Moshe Ibn Yisrael describes the initial stages prior to the words coming out of their mouth they thought about they felt inspired to sing that's why it's Lashon Atid in which case there's no remis for Tchiyat Amitim um, alternatively, our Gemara, Rashi's other interpretation, talks about this as being future, future tense in terms of another time period during which we'll sing. It's very appropriate that Shira, singing and song, is referred to in the context of Tehiyat HaMetim. Because if you think for a brief moment with me about song in the Torah, song appears at junctures of completion. And that brings us back to our earlier conversation just a moment ago. First and foremost, in the eyes of the Hachamim, the Mizmor Shir Liyom HaShabbat was said by Adam HaRishon after the completion of the construction of this world. Mizmor Shir Hanukkah Tabayit LeDavid is after the construction of the Mikdash. We have a, a Shirat Hayam after the completion of Shi'bud Misraim of Herut. We have Shirat Devorah in Shofetim at the beginning after the conquest for all intents and purposes of Eres Israel of achieving it. We have Shirat Be'er in this week's parasha. Shirat Miriam is at the end of Kiryat Yam. So right over there. What? Be'er, oh, you're associating with Miriam because of Be'er. The Shirat Be'er is written this week's parasha, is it not? The Shirat Be'er is at, for all intents and purposes, the end of the Midbar, the end of that travel through the desert for 40 years. Shira, for one reason or another, is the spontaneous Hazinus, the end of Moshe's life, as he's looking at it all put together. For one reason or another, it's the spontaneous human reaction to, I see it all as one, and I will sing from the emotional side of my being. That's what Shira is. This is the only one that's said in future tense. Everyone, uh, well, not Shira Taber, it's Yashira over there as well. But what I'm telling you is that the Shira in these contexts, and the truth is that the word Shir, we have that word, you have a word like uh, called Shavsherit, Shafsheret is a chain, which is denoted by its circular motion. The Gemara Masecha Bava Mitzian Daf Kafe, when it talks about if you found a lot of coins out in a circle, it refers to those coins in a circle as a shira. A shir or a shira is envisioned by the rabbis and by the Torah, Torah in some sort of circular fashion. You see the closing of some sort of cycle through shira. It stands to reason then, what's that? 
Look at the Shein for Shira. All right, you're taking us to a whole new level over here. But what I can tell you is, then I'm going to do a Samech as well and all that. Anyway, but what I can tell you is that Shira then, the truth is you have it in Parashat Balak, you have several places, Ashurenu, and that sort of lashon, for sight. To see the closing of something is to sing a shira. It stands to reason then. As Yashir Moshe, think for a moment in your own life. You know, you walk into a person's retail shop and they have their first dollar, their first hundred dollar on the wall. That's the beginning of it. At the first moment where a person realizes and apprehends and is able to appreciate the closing of a cycle, to see something complete. I put all my effort into this. And this is the first stage of completion. We note that. That's the Az Yashir. Now that we've experienced one closing, we have an appreciation for what's to come. We're locked into this system. The fact that they felt God's Geulah at Yitziat Misraim brought them to Shira, which is an appreciation of something that closed, they in turn are able to appreciate and understand a future closing, a full closing of existence. That's how I understand the Az Yashir, the appropriateness of Az Yashir in that moment of feeling and seeing Tahiyata Metim is because if you can feel and experience the closing of one cycle, it means you can see the larger picture. You'll see it in a few moments in the Gemara. Again, you have similarly the Lashon Atid, which is a reference to Tahiyata Metim in the eyes of the rabbis. As Yivne Yehoshua Mizbeach Ladonai, the Pasuk talks about Yehoshua building a Mizbeach. It doesn't say that he built. He will build. This is a reference, perhaps, a veiled reference to Tahiyat HaMetim as well. Of course, Torah is not Hamisha Hamshe Torah. Over here, it's a reference to Nevim. But wait a second. What about this terrible reference? Uh, the Pasuk says that Shalomo bought, built some sort of altar, Lichmosh. Uh, Shikutz Moav, for some sort of Avodah Zarah, the disgusting Avodah Zarah of Moav. Are you telling me that in the future, in Tahiyat HaMetim, Shilomo is going to build an altar for Avodah Zarah? What a terrible vision. If I've been telling you, if the rabbis have been stressing that Tahiyat HaMetim is the closing in the appropriate way, the Shilemut of existence, all of a sudden you're referring to negative, terrible thing? Ela, rather, I'll explain to you this differently, Shilomo never actually built it. It's instead a reference, the Gemara Masechet Kiddushin and Daflametet has the following debate. If a person thinks about sinning but doesn't come to sin, is it as if they sinned or not? So the Gemara says if a person planned on doing a misvah and didn't, sinning, the Gemara says not except for the Gemara's notable exception. It's important to discuss why separately. That's the exception in the Gemara. In turn, the reference over here is the well Shalomo in his planning to sacrifice on the altar for Abu Dazara, the Pasuk, so to speak, says he did it in the future. He never did it and he's not going to do it. But Ma'ale Alaf Hakatuf, that's what the Gemara seems to be doing. Amar Bioshua ben Levi, Minayin Lithiata Meti Minatora Shene Emar, Ashre Yosheve Betecha, Od Yehalelu Chasela. Pasuk talks about praised are those who dwell in your house, in your abode. Bore Olam Hakadosh. Baruch Hu Od 
Again, Yehalelucha, Lehalel, of course, means to praise. Selah, for eternity. Hillelucha, Donema. The Pasuk doesn't describe how they already were Mehalel, already praised you. Ela, Yehalelucha. Rather, the Pasuk refers to the fact that they will in the future be Mehalel. Mikanet Chiata Metim Min HaTorah. This is the veiled reference. Again, not in the Torah. Over here, we're dealing with Tehilim. We're already in Ketubim. Min HaTorah, Chiata Metim. Peshat in Pasuk, Jesse says, is Yahalelucha means they'll continue in this world. The Hachamim stretch it even further that you're doing it Selah for eternity, they say, is all the way through the future. Now it's not Shira per se, but it's Halel, which is along those lines as well. And here's what I was referring to earlier with regards to the Az Yashir, uh, because I think he fills his opinion out over here. Any person who makes that, who, who, who has that shira of praise, will merit to be mehalel with shira in the future. Pause for a second and appreciate that in context of what we said a moment ago. If the vision of shira is the feeling of completion and the understanding in turn is you had an initial stage of feeling and appreciating the completion, this is in turn the vision, the promise, well now you'll be tapped in to see it fully through. If you appreciated all the effort that went into the first dollar, first hundred dollars, the first success, successful business deal, and you so tapped into the success of this, and you saw it through, and you saw the process, how from the beginning, with all the trials and tribulations, led up to this moment, in turn, it's not so far off that you, in that moment, see and will experience the full-fledged, I don't know, hundred million dollars, as opposed to hundred dollars, and his derasha, Inflation will help, or maybe heard it. Shene emar, od Over here, the pasuk says, od, od will furthermore. You started your shira, and you'll continue your shira ba'atid. Amar bechia baraba, amar biochanan minayin lithiyat hametim min haTorah. Another one of these identical questions, tehiyat hametim, referred to in the Torah. Shene emar. He cites a pasuk from Navi as well. Kol sofaich in Yeshaya. Sofaich is a reference to Nevi'im. Sofeh means to see, to see off into the future. Sofaich, visionaries. All right. Kol sofaich naseu kol yahdav. Yeranenu. The pasuk talks about how they will raise up their voices together in rina. Rina in a pleasant song of sorts. All the prophets are in the future. The pasuk doesn't say they had that pleasant voice and song in the past. Again, as Jesse said, the Peshat would be read as uh, they've sung pleasantly and they'll continue to. Instead, the Hachamim read it further as not only will there be that song, so to speak, of the prophets, but it'll be as one, with the same voice, so to speak. Pasuk says they do it, this is reminiscent of the Gemara in Masechet Ta'anit and Daf Lamed Aleph. The Gemara at the very end of Masechet Ta'anit and Daf Lamed Aleph has the following description. In the future, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has the Sadiqim sitting bimahol. Bimahol means in a circle. The HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be right in the middle of it. 
What sort of reference is that? What sort of vision? There's no physicality to God and to the Sadiqim in the future. It's more than anything a vision and a description of a certain equality, a certain perception which is accessible to all. The description is In these time periods, God not communism, but communism in terms of thought. Everybody will have an identical approach and ability to approach and to appreciate godliness. That's the kol yachtav. That's the ability. It will no longer be, I compare that prophet to the other one, that rabbi to that one in terms of their knowledge, that layperson to the other. Everybody will be sitting in that circle, a circle by definition. Every point on a circle is equidistant to the middle. That's the vision of the rabbis. That's the identical description here of Rabbi Yohanan Amar of Marav. Uh, along these lines, but having nothing to do with what we talked about other than the pasuk we talked about. Any person who, instead of teaching, withholds. You're not important enough, you're not smart enough, you're not diligent enough, and as a result, I'd rather not teach you. It's as if you're stealing from their inheritance, from their nahala, their inheritance. The Pasuk says, Morasha. Morasha means a heritage or an inheritance. And as a result, if the Torah is an inheritance and a heritage, and I'm not helping you, you're not helping me further that and tap into that, well, then you're stealing from my heritage and my inheritance. What's the, it's a Yerusha, it's a Nahala from Sheshit Yemei Bereshit. Rashi cites, which Rashi has in his commentary to the Torah as well, from the first Pasuk in the Torah, the first Pasuk in the Torah, first word, Bereshit. Bereshit means in the beginning of. In the beginning of, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning of what? So a few days ago, we suggested Gaon Mivilnan Svorno in the beginning of time. Alternatively, Rashi, in his commentary to the Torah, says, This Mikra is Omer Darsheni. There's a Peshat question in the beginning of what? So Rashi quotes from a Midrash in order to answer that question. He says, instead of reading it as in the beginning of, read it as for the beginning. Bishvil Reshit. For the beginning. For the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's right, says Rashi, basing himself on the Midrash. Look at other places where the word Reshit is used in our Torah, Nevim, and Ketubim. It's used by the ways of Torah. It's used by Yisrael as a result. For Yisrael, for the Torah, the heavens and the earth were created. In turn, the Dirashah over here says Rashi in his commentary to our Gemara. He says, here's how you read it. From the beginning of existence, from the creation of heavens and earth, there was a connection between Yisrael and Torah. It was all built, it was all created and constructed for Yisrael and Torah, which means you're connected to it in your metaphysical DNA from the very beginning. And I'm going to withhold that from you, but it's yours. I can't hold that back from you by definition. It's the description, we'll see it in a moment again, veiled reference in the Gemara, again of that Gemara, the Gemara describes how the baby in the womb of the mother is studying Torah with the Malach. What type of silly description is that? Unless it's describing that part and parcel, it's a platonic vision of, of, of Chochmah. In Plato's world, we're constantly turning back 
to our very origins as we recover knowledge which is a part of who we are. We have it not in terms of general knowledge, but in knowledge of Torah. You are, as a member of Am Yisrael, connected and tethered to Torah. So if I'm looking to withhold it from you, I'm by definition looking to withhold a part of your own self-conscious and being. And as a result, that's the description here in the Gemara. Misheshet Yemei Bereshit. It's the Rashi at the beginning, at the bottom of the page. Amar of Hana Bar Bizna. Amar Bishimon Hasida Kolamonea Halacha Mipi Talmid Afilu. That's an interesting and strange description. It says, a person who withholds Torah from his student, from a student, well, even the babies in the womb of their mom, of a mother, are cursing him. And it's a whole long, long derasha with regards to how we derive this before, and perhaps we won't even get to that derasha today. Uh, what sort of reference is this to the me'imo? <laughs> Say it's terrible not to teach a student. Someone wants to learn Torah, it's terrible you're holding back from their Yerusha. I don't know, come up with, I could think of a million and one other descriptions of how terrible it is before describing it as the babies in the womb. Of course, of course, of course, I led you into it. Babies in the womb are cursing you. Unless Maharshat, Maharshat is... Uh, unless, <coughs> unless curses are sometimes part, sometimes God has a certain arur, he, he, so sometimes there's a certain appropriate... Perhaps. Alternatively, Jared, alternatively, this is fully and completely allegorical, and the vision, as Maharsha suggests it, is one in which, well, I'm going to embellish Maharsha, I'm going to say it in my way, let's think again, the vision, the rabbinic vision, the legend vision of where this Torah existence begins. It begins in the womb. Let's pause for a second and go and talk to the baby in the womb. Can you have a conversation in Torah with the baby in the womb? Certainly not. But nonetheless, quote-unquote, the baby's being taught that Torah. Nonetheless, there's a transmission. That's nonsense. That's ridiculous. Unless that study, that being taught, quote-unquote, becomes part and parcel of who you are, even though you can't articulate it. The Gemara Masechet Sukkah, for example, <coughs> describes the ways of Hinuch, and it says you start teaching your child to speak Torah, Torah Sivalanu Moshe Morashaki Hilat Yaakov, this very Pasuk, from the time during which they know how to speak, not the time when they know how to understand, when they know how to speak. When they start babbling, you start teaching them. That's nonsense. That's ridiculous. They don't know what they're saying. Why are you teaching that? Unless the baby in the womb, the baby who begins to talk, when the speech that's being spoken around them is one of Torah, that becomes a part of their personality, whether they understand it or not. The description then in our Gemara, well, this student in a program, I'm going to teach him Torah. She's relevant to Torah. They have, a, they have a meat head. They don't understand anything. But maybe the speech of Torah around them is significant in and of itself, much as, quote unquote, it's significant for the baby in the womb. The baby's coming out, quote unquote, forgetting the entirety of the Torah. So is the quote-unquote, the angel wasting its time teaching it, unless that's the essence of the baby. And we know this from environmental, psychological studies. What's taking place around you has a way of influencing you and changing who you are, whether you know what's happening or not. That's the description. So the babies in the womb of the mother who don't have, quote-unquote, a darn clue as to what's being taught to them, but it's changing their essence. It's making them a member of Am Yisrael. It's tethering them to the Torah in a way that is unspeakable because they can't even speak. 
and now they see you because this guy is not relevant to Torah. You can't stand in front of him and say words of Torah. You can't repeat the message, even though he's not, because he's not going to understand it. The tinokot iman are, so to speak, cursing the circumstances and saying you're missing the vision and understanding of what true Talmud Torah is to the personality and the soul of an individual. Baruch Adonai Amen.